Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Hope you're all adjusted to the new time, got all the clocks changed, and here we go. Another busy week. We're going to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. A lot of weather to talk about. Big snow and rain in uh, several parts of the country. We'll go over that. Also going to talk with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about yet another attempt to do away with the death tax. And we're going to preview this year's Farm Progress Show, which will hopefully be an in-person event in Decatur, Illinois, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, will be joining us to talk about plans for this year's Farm Progress Show. But we'll start things off with a look at the news. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, joins us. Sarah, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Very good. Lots going on this week. Uh, We may get, perhaps, the uh, confirmation for our new trade representative. Yes, and we're very excited that Catherine Kai who has been working for many, many years on the House Ways and Means Committee and is very familiar with a lot of top trade issues, especially our relationship with China, that she will likely be confirmed this week. In addition, it looks like the votes are there, despite some pretty tough opposition from Senator Daines and some others, to get the confirmation of uh, Representative Holland to be the first Native American to be the head of the Interior Department. So a couple of key nomination votes that will be coming this week. We'll also be watching some legislation this week, including a pair of immigration bills. Yes, it's exciting to see, and I, you know, we hope springs eternal on whether we can actually get something on immigration passed through both houses and signed by the president. But uh, it looks like we're going to see consideration of the Farm Workforce Modernization Act uh, in the House, and it could provide a path to legal status for undocumented ag workers as well as expand the H-2A visa program. The House passed that in 2019, a similar version, uh, but it didn't go anywhere in the Senate. So we're going to be looking to see if that can happen and I think it was really interesting. Uh, Dave Coolia, who's the CEO of Western Growers, is our open mic guest this week, and he talked about the fact that you'd have to be a fool to be optimistic on immigration reform, but uh, that he is in that camp this year that thinks that of all the things that we're watching at the border and all the other concerns, we know that our immigration system is a mess. And so he was uh, a little bit more optimistic that perhaps something could happen this year. We should point out that the Farm Workforce Modernization Act has some ag support, but not unanimous ag support. That's right, Mike. You know, it is backed uh, largely by the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, National Milk Producers Federation, National Farmers Union, and as I mentioned, Western Growers. But the American Farm Bureau Federation has declined to support it. Uh, they've argued that uh, some of the provisions will make farms vulnerable to lawsuits by H-2A workers, and they want some additional changes before they could possibly support it. 
Now, the Biden administration has also indicated they want to move on an infrastructure package. Now, stop me if we've talked about this before, but uh, what do you think are the chances of it happening this time actually getting done? Well, I think there's been some encouraging news that there is actually an effort to get bipartisan support. And I think that we do know that Republicans have backed infrastructure in the past. And if they could do this in a bipartisan fashion, I think there is a lot of interest in doing it. I mean, there is not a lot of concern right now about the overall federal spending after we just did a $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package. And infrastructure would actually create a lot of jobs and, and get people back to work uh, after this pandemic and folks can get vaccinated now. Um, so I think that uh, that is another reason for optimism. Yeah, spending concerns seem to have been put aside for now. Uh, just spend, spend right now. Um, what are you hearing, Sarah, about climate plans? Uh, you know, we hear about carbon banks and sequestration, things we've heard about in the past but didn't really pan out either. What about this time? Are they going to go about it differently? And how does agriculture view it? Are they being cautious or wait and see or embracing? How would you uh, characterize uh, how it's gone so far? I think major farm organizations have figured out that that they want to be at the table rather than on the menu. And so they have worked very uh, cooperatively with some environmental groups to create the Food and Ag Climate Alliance, the the FACA group. And you are seeing them advance uh, about 40 different recommendations of how agriculture could have a seat at the climate table and be rewarded for it potentially with new income streams if in fact people are willing to pay for reducing carbon emissions and also um, making sure that there's more carbon sequestration going on. But, and that's always a but, you know, the devil's in the details on these things. How is that going to be implemented and who's going to be rewarded and how do you reward those folks who have been doing great practices in the past? And that's why we're looking at all of these different angles during our upcoming our fifth annual Ag and Food Policy Summit, which will be taking place over parts of three days next week, Mike. And if you haven't been up to speed on what's happening on climate and agriculture, this is a good chance to do so. Yeah, your summit's going to be right on point with that because we know something's going to happen here. And I think many in agriculture are cautious about this, uh, how it might impact them and how... We hear about opportunities for agriculture, but uh, I think the farmers want to see more details on that, more proof of how they can uh, uh, benefit from this or even be recognized for things they are already doing. Well, absolutely, and there are, there could be lots of new revenue streams, but it has to be done correctly, and I think there's also concern that budget reconciliation might be used to uh, advance climate goals, and, and that means it wouldn't be done on a bipartisan basis. So a lot of folks are leaning in, looking at this, and I'm sure you're going to hear a lot more about this topic in the House and Senate mm-hmm. activities move forward on the discussion. For sure. All right. So next week is your Ag and Food Policy Summit. For those that want to be a part of it, how do they go about that? Uh, go to agra-pulse.com, look at the events tab, and click on 2021, and all the details will be there, all the speakers, and there will be a good chance to sign up. Yeah, a lot of great information, as always. We encourage people to do that. Sarah, as always, thanks. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. 
All right, Sarah Wyant, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, up next, we talk weather with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson, and a lot happening, a lot of big snow in places, a lot of rain in places. Are the areas getting it, uh, the dry areas that needed it the most? Are they getting too much in some cases? We're going to go over all that. And what's the forecast for the week ahead and heading into uh, spring planting time for the Midwest? That's up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Let's Talk isn't just an invitation. It's how we do business. Our experts at FS AgriFinance believe that a meaningful conversation is the best way to help our customers reach their financial goals. We'll show you how to use financing as a risk management tool to help spread your costs and manage your cash flow. We know agriculture and are focused on what's ahead to make sure you're ready for it. Talk with your FS AgriFinance specialist at your local FS member company today. FS, bringing you what's next. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best farmers. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash fieldposts. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Eight hundred six six four two six one two. 
Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we've been talking about this dry weather concerns for a lot of the uh, middle part of the country and the expansion of the drought monitor uh, map seem to be getting bigger and bigger. Well, some of those areas are getting some moisture now, a lot of it. Let's talk about it with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, a lot of snow and a lot of rain in places. Um, kind of give us a, a breakdown on who's getting what, and in some cases maybe too much all at once. Well, very true, Mike. Uh, the past weekend, uh, I'm saying that most of the central and the southern plains had anywhere from one to four inches of uh, measured liquid precipitation. And a lot of that, when you get uh, east of the very western edge of the plains, you get east of the uh, front range of the Colorado Rockies, a lot of that fell as rainfall and um, actually um, soaked in and was very useful for crop moisture. So it was a, a, a very beneficial event from that standpoint. Now, in the West, in the high country of the Rockies, you know, they had close to uh, two to four and a half feet of snow. Four and a half feet was uh, in the high country in Wyoming. Um, this has obviously been, you know, a real problem for traveling. Hopefully there uh, was not a lot of uh, safety impact uh, with hopefully everybody was, you know, just able to, to uh, shelter and uh, stay in place. So you have those kinds of delays, but the snow is also uh, helping to supply irrigation water for later this spring. And uh, I visited with an acquaintance of mine in Cheyenne who said that the mountains really needed the snow. And uh, so that was very useful from that standpoint. And, and uh, we know that ranchers had livestock stress to contend with, but, um, you know, it was really forecast uh, quite a bit in advance. So uh, I'm sure that uh, all the measures that could be taken were taken, you know, to protect livestock uh, from the worst of it. Now, how far east is this moving? I know here in Illinois we're getting rain. Now, how far east is this yeah. going to move right across? Well, uh, the, the overall uh, storm package is going to cross the entire Midwest. The, uh, the rain coverage is going to maybe uh, be a little bit more variable. Uh, certainly, Illinois is, uh, is still in line to uh, take in a fair amount of rainfall. Uh, once the energy actually uh, gets farther eastward, we're going to see kind of a, a little bit more disorganization. And I think that uh, a lot of the remaining precipitation is going to be more over the southeastern part of the country, maybe uh, with just some light rains in Indiana and Ohio, and then into the Great Lakes. And then along with this, I should note that uh, the North Central Plains have had some heavy snowfall. We could see around 10 inches of snow in parts of Minnesota uh, before the day is over with. Uh, but again, in that uh, North Central part of the country, uh, there was some dry ground, too, and so there's going to be some drought easing. It would not surprise me to uh, see maybe not this week in the drought monitor, but possibly, but certainly next week uh, we could have a uh, 
one category improvement in drought monitor assessment mm. because of this uh, type of precipitation. That would not surprise me a bit. Yep, some much-needed precipitation for sure. Now, what are we going to see with temperatures? Well, temperatures are are going to be chilly this week, but, you know, not real cold. Uh, we're still uh, going to have kind of a below-normal track in parts of the southern plains, but here in the uh, north-central part of the country, uh, temperatures are going to be still above normal. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, daytime highs, kind of in the 40s, maybe the low 50s, and uh, the lows are going to be, you know, maybe 25 to 30, not real cold. Later this week, it is going to warm up uh, somewhat, and we are also going to see a new round of moisture uh, kind of focusing south of Interstate 80 uh, during the end of the week, uh, catching again the south-central plains, and this time the southern half of the Midwest, I think with uh, some moderate to heavy uh, precipitation. There's a, a new um, energetic uh, storm package uh, that's brewing out in California. It's producing a lot of rain and snow in the far west right now, and so that's going to cross eastward and uh, kind of hold it together uh, for more uh, precip later this week. So this is not a one and done. We're going to get more precipitation. Yeah, that's right. It's a very active week uh, that is shaping up. And, and um, you know, while we're going through this rundown, obviously the uh, Southern Plains, uh, hard red winter wheat country, is uh, definitely getting a lot of benefit from this uh, with record rainfall amounts and uh, the, the uh, rate that it fell, I think, in general was um, moderate enough that a lot of that rain was able to soak in and uh, truly provide some uh, soil moisture benefit. Yeah, so we'll see what happens later in the year, but this eases some concerns uh, for the time being, that's for sure, in many places. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, look at South America. The pattern has been uh, wet in Brazil, dry in Argentina. Has that changed any? A little bit for this week. Uh, right now, Argentina is getting some thunderstorms uh, kind of crossing the western half of their crop area. Uh, the uh, state of Cordoba at the western edge of the major Ar Argentina crop belt is getting some rain right now. And uh, during the next couple days, we could see uh, moisture totals of three-quarters to an inch and a half, maybe even at the outside two inches uh, across the major uh, crop areas in Argentina. And uh, obviously that would be beneficial to just uh, kind of keep from further uh, reduction in the estimated uh, size of the corn and soybean crop in Argentina. Uh, late wheat could bring uh, a new round of rainfall as well, mainly over the northern and central parts of uh, the country. Uh, Brazil is not really uh, changing very much at all in the central crop areas. Mato Grosso is getting some more thunderstorms today. Uh, they've got from uh, two to five inches of of rainfall indicated for the rest of this week. So the uh, late progress on soybean uh, harvesting and the double crop corn planting is still going to be in place. Now, later this week, there may be some rain in uh, the southern part of Brazil, specifically in Rio Grande do Sul. Uh, they have been quite dry lately. So that would be, I think, overall a useful event if that actually develops. But uh, the, the central uh, lag, the central Brazil lag in progress is just uh, going to kind of hang with them all the way through the rest of the soybean harvest. 
and then the entire double crop corn season with a lot of the corn uh, likely to pollinate uh, in in uh, at least the very end if of the, of the rainy season, if not the start of the dry season, and uh, that could be a a potential detriment when uh, they're actually uh, going through the the overall uh, reproductive uh, corn uh, corn ear filling stage. All right, so let's come back here to the U.S. Uh, we're getting moisture in March, which we needed, but what about April when uh, farmers in the Midwest be looking to head to the fields? What's that April forecast looking like? Well, April is uh, is shaping up to be uh, kind of a seasonal month, uh, and the uh, overall uh, precip uh, likelihood is is actually pushing a little bit uh, near to below normal. So I think that we're going to have a a fairly decent run of it for uh, for field work conditions. Um, the fact that uh, this uh, precipitation event is happening when it is, I think, is just uh, very well timed for offering uh, some some very useful moisture, and uh, obviously that's going to make a, a big difference when it comes to to uh, you know thinking about just being able to uh, to get crops in and have some moisture available for crop germination more than anything. And the fact that so much of it uh, is able to soak in and not run off—that's a big part of it too. Well, well, it, it certainly is. Uh, the the soil temperature the soil temperatures were were not exceedingly uh, cold. Uh, we did have a little bit of a milder stretch after that uh, hard freeze back in February that uh, allowed the profile to maybe um, be a little bit more open. Uh, for that moisture to soak in that that was received. Actually, the mechanics of this past weekend's storm system were very similar uh, to the big bomb cyclone that caused uh, so much uh, flooding and and uh, tremendous damage uh, two years ago in uh, the Central Plains and uh, the Western Midwest. But uh, what was missing was the snow cover as well as uh, the very cold air prior to that that had frozen soils so badly that the water didn't have any place to go. This time, of course, the moisture was able to infiltrate. Yeah, a little different this time. That's a, that's a good, it's a good sign and uh, a much better situation than we saw two years ago. Bryce, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We talk about the death tax next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Farmers and operators don't always have to get a new piece of machinery to get state-of-the-art performance. 
At Intelligent Ag, our company was founded by farmers and innovators to build smart farming technology to help you get the most out of your ag equipment, meaning improved performance and high return on investment. The next time you think you need an upgrade on your equipment, consider Intelligent Ag Upgrades. We offer flow monitoring and section control solutions on air seeders and fertilizer floaters. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. We are another day past last week's USDA report and corn and bean markets are happily in the middle of their trading ranges. Wheat is under pressure following recent snowfall across wheat country and both winter wheat markets added another day to their buying signals. Minneapolis wheat also triggered a two-box buy signal today. On the Board of Trade, Minneapolis spring wheat may trading five and three quarters higher at 639 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat May up four and three quarters at 608 and a fraction. Chicago wheat may up seven cents at 645 and a half cent. For corn, the May contract up three and a fraction at 542 and a fraction. The July contract up three and three quarters at 532 and a half cent. For soybeans, the May contract down eight and a fraction at 1405. The July contract down seven and a fraction of a cent at 1395 and a fraction. For livestock, there is hope the strength on Friday will carry through Monday as more traders may want to get on the long side of the market. The winter storm may support futures for a few days of higher trade as traders react to market events. Hog futures have not backed down from higher prices as traders continue to add to long positions. However, some cash uncertainty and lower cutout values could put the brakes on the market. On the Board of Trade, May lean hogs trading 95 cents lower. At 92.70, the June contract down 95 cents at 98.05. For feeder cattle, the March contract Contract trading 15 cents higher at 136.50. The April contract up 75 at 143.97. April live cattle trading 37 cents higher at 119.35. The June contract up 67 at 121.10. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 75 points. The Nasdaq composite down one. The S&P 500 up 15. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, an issue that just keeps coming back and... uh, is in the news again, the death tax. And to talk about it, we are joined now by Danielle Beck, 
Senior Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Danielle, thank you for joining us. So the Death Tax Repeal Act of 2021 was recently introduced. Uh, Tell us about it and its chances of passage. Hey, Mike. Uh, Yeah, you know, this is the issue that just won't die, uh, bad pun intended. But, you know, we're really grateful to our leads in both the House and the Senate for taking the charge on this bipartisan legislation. The Death Tax Repeal Act is legislation that we've seen introduced uh, for many Congresses now. Unfortunately, we weren't able to see a full permanent repeal of this, uh, you know, harmful tax included in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. It's highly unlikely that we'll see it in this current environment right now. But continuing to bang the drum, continuing to have a a public record of support for this important issue is really going to be critical, especially in the coming weeks and months uh, as we see some, you know, potentially harmful tax policies gain momentum uh, in this new administration. And so really we're, we're grateful for all of those who have lent their support to this issue because it's going to be part of a a much broader negotiation. So you think it's going to be another uh, heavy lift again this time? It's going to be hard to do. I do. You know, we are going to see the uh, relief that was included in TCJA, uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, uh, sunset starting in 2026. But right now, you know, the exemption limits, uh, $10 million per individual or $20 million per couple, uh, indexed for inflation and at 40% rate, all of that uh, will sunset starting in 2026. But, you know, there are already conversations happening in Congress about, uh, you know, getting rid of some of the the reforms and positive uh, advancements that we saw under TCJA and then taking it a couple steps, you know, back even further. So there have been conversations about reverting that exemption level uh, pre-2012, so uh, a personal exclusion of 3.5 million indexed for inflation, which, you know, there's quite a bit of disparity there between 3.5 and 10 million, uh, and then bumping that rate up to 45%. There's a lot of conversation about also uh, eliminating the step up in basis, um, you know, doing something with like kind exchanges, increasing cap gains, all as a way of paying for, uh, you know, an infrastructure package that could be moving through the House and Senate in the coming months. Uh, We are going to see Congress move bigger, more controversial packages through a reconciliation process because of the narrow margins in the House and the Senate. And so, uh, you know, they'll be looking for revenue raisers, ways to pay for, uh, you know, some of their costly proposals. And the the tax uh, relief that we saw under TCJA will likely be at the top of the list. Uh, And so continuing to carve out uh, a space of supporters on this issue is really going to be critically important because we certainly have a lot of work cut out for us. Uh, yeah, at some point, while they're, they're spending all this money now, uh, at some point they're going to have to address how to pay for it. So that comes back to taxes. It sounds like what you're saying, Danielle, it might be uh, <laughs> the more pressing issue might be to protect the gains that you've made on this issue, even more so than a total elimination of the death tax. Absolutely. You know, I don't think that we are under any uh, grand illusion that we're going to see full permanent repeal this year, but having members um, on the record publicly supporting that does help in, you know, long-term negotiations. It helps to, you know, preserve some of the relief that we saw under TCJA. And so that's why we're, we're really putting our weight behind this, along with several other proposals. But, you know, ultimately, um, we are going to have a lot of work cut out from us preserving, you know, the current sort of status quo in terms of our, our tax provisions. But, um, you know, when they do seek to pay for some of these broader packages, Mike, it's really going to be cr- critical that they don't 
seek to do so on the backs of farmers and ranchers. Uh, and if you talk, look at some of the tax uh, provisions they're targeting, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so, you know, we're, we understand the importance of the tax code, but we also believe that a fair tax code is an equitable one. And that really does require uh, some unique provisions being preserved specifically for, you know, the agricultural industry. Let's talk more about that. We're talking with Danielle Beck, Senior Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Uh, a lot of us in rural America are hopeful an infrastructure package will finally get done because there are a lot of needs throughout rural America. But what are you seeing, and you've, you've been alluding to this, uh, some of the proposals that would come with it in order to pay for it? Yeah, you know, there are several different proposals that I, I think give me personally a lot of heartburn, and I know that they give our, our cattle producers quite a bit of heartburn. You know, the, the step-up in basis that exists, that is a, a really important provision when it comes to, uh, you know, transitioning uh, agricultural estates into the next generation of producers. Uh, Like-kind exchanges, you know, those are, those are really important for, um, you know, property values. Uh, you know, looking at capital gains, um, you know, there, there's sort of a host of different provisions out there that have been identified as potential revenue raisers. And so um, holding the ground on this is going to be really important for us. You know, agriculture is unique. I think a lot of, you know, folks that are, you know, two or three generations uh, removed from production, they sort of forget the fact that farmers and ranchers are also small business owners. But it's, you know, a capital-intensive industry that, you know, by very nature operates on razor-thin margins and, you know, is, is subject to tremendous amounts of market volatility, especially in recent years. And so having um, certain provisions in the tax code, like, you know, the automatic step-up in basis, um, you know, having this relief on the estate tax by, you know, the, the current exclusion amounts and a, a rate that makes sense. I mean, all of this is really designed to allow for, um, you know, the next generation of agricultural producers to take over their family farms and ranches when the time comes and, you know, be able to continue operating, you know, successfully in the meantime, in spite of what, you know, the markets might look like or, you know, the, the how razor thin your margins are. Uh, and so, you know, again, we want to see um, any sort of package paid for in a way that makes sense. We will have to pay for it if it's not now down the road, but, uh, cutting off our nose to spite our face really doesn't make sense, and that's really what's going to happen if you you eliminate some of these uh, you know really critically important provisions in the tax code for ag producers. Well, the debate over the estate tax has gone on for some time, and some argue, oh, it doesn't affect that many people. But for those that does impact, it, it it's a big impact. Absolutely. And it's not just about, you know, the, the families that actually have to pay the tax when the time comes due. It's also about all those families that have to pay to, for planning. I mean, all, to afford the costs associated with estate transition plans, that represents a huge drain on business resources. And it, it takes money away from your day-to-day -day operations and, you know, potential investment in communities. I mean, ag producers are the backbone of rural communities across the country. And for every dollar that's taken away um, from a, you know, an investment in their community and put into a transition plan, that, that hurts, um, even if it, it's not necessarily felt in real tangible uh, sense quite like some of these other provisions you're talking about. But it, it, every dollar matters. I wrote a commentary on 
last week about you know the stimulus package has just passed 1.9 trillion and that you know more spending looks like it's on the way whether it's uh, uh, infrastructure or whatever it might be and I said you know when you're sending out checks that's pretty popular people like to get those checks but at some point those bills come due right at some point that has to be paid for so you you better be prepared for what that means it could be higher taxes or some of these tax code changes that you're talking about. There'll be a price to pay at some point. Absolutely. I, you know, and I think it speaks to the importance of, you know, bipartisan negotiations in Congress. Um, you know, when you only have one party's views represented in a package, when you're only relying on one party to pass that, um, you, you really risk not striking an important middle ground. Um, and so, you know, we're going to continue working with folks in both chambers on both sides of the aisle to ensure that, you know, our cattle producers are, are taken care of and represented. But uh, we certainly do have a, a lot of work cut out for us, and we'll be calling on our producers to engage in that regard as well. Well, of course, this stimulus package that just passed was not a bipartisan bill. Uh, you think the next package, big package, major package will be? You know, with the, the margins being what they are, I would anticipate that, uh, you know, Democratic leadership will look towards a another sort of reconciliation type process, uh, you know, sort of bypassing the need for any significant amount of bipartisan support for a package. They can move with very narrow margins through the Senate, avoid a filibuster as long as they use reconciliation. And so... Um, you know, they, they moved this past COVID relief package through an FY21 budget resolution. I would expect that the next one um, moves through that process as well, and it'll likely be an infrastructure proposal. Well, we'll watch it. Uh, and there's a lot at stake here. And price, look for the price tag and how it's going to be paid. That'll be key, and we'll see what happens on the estate tax issue. Danielle, as always, we appreciate it. We'll stay in touch as uh, uh, more of these packages make their way through. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Danielle Beck, Senior Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So she said, as much as I want to repeal, permanent repeal of the estate tax, the bigger challenge, more immediate challenge will be protect some of the uh, gains that have been made in this area um, the last few years, stepped up basis and things like that. Uh, you know, Congress is going to be looking at some revenue streams to pay for some of these things they're passing, so we'll keep a close watch on that. We're also uh, looking ahead this year. We talked last week about World Pork Expo, going to come back as an in-person event in June. Well, we're hopeful there'll be a Farm Progress Show in person this year in Decatur, Illinois, end of August, 1st of September. We'll talk about plans for that show with Matt Youngman with Farm Progress next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. 
First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Joined now by Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, with all the talk now about this $1.9 trillion stimulus package, 
Uh, I know you're focused on some funds still available to USDA to use now that they could help the biofuels industry with, and I know you're hoping they will. We are still hoping they will, and and just yesterday, Mike, uh, 10 senators, led by Senators Grassley and Klobuchar, sent a letter to Secretary Vilsack asking him to make sure that ethanol producers are at the top of the list as he begins to think about how to distribute those remaining COVID emergency relief funds that are still sitting at USDA. And you're right, there's still something close to $15 billion sitting there yet to be deployed. Revenue losses keep piling up for our industry. We know that we're easily north of $5 billion in lost gross revenues over the past 12 months. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Last year's Farm Progress Show was a virtual event. Will this year's be an in-person event? We hope so. Let's talk about it with Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, thanks for joining us. Good to talk with you again. I know last year at this time you were sure hopeful it would be an in-person event. Turns out it couldn't be. But uh, what about this year? All systems go at this point? Yeah, Mike, we're really excited, uh, you know, with the with the way the vaccines are coming out and the, the curves are all going in the right direction. We are planning uh, full speed ahead for live events, Farm Progress Show at the end of August and Husker Harvest Days in the middle of September. That's exciting news, and hopefully the progress uh, keeps continuing with the vaccines and the uh, uh, the surge keeps being reduced the rates going down of infections and hospitalizations and death rates keep going down if if we keep moving as we said we're not out of it yet but we seem to be moving in the right direction hopefully that will continue all right so how are you planning for the show to return back to decatur yeah we're we've been a lot of meetings going on you know a lot of moving parts to put on a farm progress show so we're contracting with the host farmers and getting everything ready for planting we'll be in the field here first week of april getting the the field demo crops in the ground in decatur and and in grand island um you know we're uh 2019 was a was a rough year to try to get a crop in the ground so you know you you kind of rode that battle out with us but uh you know that first step in the spring of getting the field demonstration corn in the ground is is what we're going to work on we've got you know that trained us to have plans a through z in terms of maturities and everything else that's necessary but uh the most important part is, is getting in the field and being able to get that crop in the ground by, by the middle of April. So that's kind of our first milestone. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, the, the clock really starts click, uh, ticking down for the things we need to do and, you know, be prepared for any COVID, um, you know, things that we'll need to deal with. We, we know that we'll have to have extra hand sanitizers and, and some of those kinds of things. But, uh, but you know, the, it's a it's a constantly changing environment that we're trying to plan for. And, and we don't know exactly where the goal line is, but, but we're, we're doing everything we can so that we're prepared to put together a good safe show for everybody at the end of August. Yeah. You're going to have to be flexible, obviously, but I mean, you've got some advantages, you're outdoors, you've got a lot of space to spread out, but that you do, you do have areas where people will, will congregate to, you know, in tents or whatever. So um, I guess you have to just kind of, see what the situation is as you get closer 
Yeah, you know, we're, we have to really lock a lot of things down in the middle of summer. You know, we have kind of some of these deadlines around July 4th of when, when there are things that get printed and like the show program that we've got to have our plan completely baked and done and ready to go by July 4th. But still, that gives us a lot of time to, to watch this thing get better and better and better all the way through the summer. And so we're, we're really optimistic that it's going to be, it, it, it if everything goes correctly, it could just be kind of a normal farm progress show, which would be just a fantastic thing to celebrate after the rough, you know, year plus that we've gone through here with COVID. Well, we think back to last year, you were holding out uh, to the very last to be able to hold an in-person event, but all around you, things were being canceled and going virtual, and eventually you had to go that direction too. Now we're seeing things like World Pork Expo being planned to, to be in person and state fairs are planning to be in person. I mean, it's a, it's a whole different feel this year. Yeah. You know, it, the last time that we maybe would have seen each other in person would have been commodity classic last year, which is just a week in a year and a week ago. And, and in that window from, from March until we had to cancel the show on June 29th, the world kind of spun apart. And so you know, that is the same window now that we have for things to get better. And that's what's going on is that, you know, from now until the end of June, early July, uh, we've got plenty of time for things to just continue to get better. And, and even, you know, people that, that have been out of the offices, basically everybody can, is going to be back to their offices by July 1st is what I'm hearing. So that means that there's still time after that, for, for everybody to get their, their exhibit plans together, and, and, you know, you mentioned flexibility. We are, we are moving things around and creating safe spaces and doing some of this kind of stuff right now according to today's rules, but every time something gets, gets opened up, it just, it just makes it better for us. But we're, we're kind of approaching this thing that, that we're going to be really flexible going into it so that we're sure that, that whatever the rules are at that time, we're able to comply with them. I'm sure your exhibitors are asking these questions too, and and they're trying to make their plans. Yeah, that is exactly right, and and most of them are are you know they're all very understanding. They they understand that we just don't know what the goal what, what where the goal line is right now. We don't know you know is is it masks? Well, hopefully not. Is it is it testing at the gates? Is it is it you know temperature screening and a bunch of those kind of things that that we just you know, hope that we don't have to have to deal with and, and we just don't even have to make that decision today. So they're all, they're all being flexible and we're all tracking a lot of the same things and watching these curves all go in the right direction and states opening up one after the next. And, and, you know, you've got Sam, my, my, my father-in-law and son are headed off to the NCAA tournament. So that, you know, all of these things are, are good news and, and, look forward to to the world opening up more and more and more and and really being able to celebrate that and get together as an industry which is what we just haven't been able to do for over a year now so we're headed in the right direction and hopefully we keep on course farm progress show august 31st september 1st and 2nd decatur illinois husker harvest day september 14 through 16 grand island nebraska matt hope to see you in person very soon face to face very much looking forward to it, Mike. Thanks a lot. All right. See you soon. Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, as uh, we are all very hopeful that uh, we stay on course to get things more back to normal and get some of these events back 
in-person events such as Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days this year. That wraps it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Tomorrow we'll take a look at uh, what's going on with the border situation, the surge there in migrants uh, crossing the border. How is a state like Texas, how is uh, its agriculture and their ag producers um, being impacted by this and dealing with that? We're going to talk more about that coming up on tomorrow's program. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.